Many people say they know Jesus, but all too often they know about him, but they don't truly know him. For this reason, Dr. David Jeremiah wrote The Jesus You May Not Know, which provides insight about his eternal nature and role on earth and in heaven. This book is yours with a gift of any amount to Turning Point. And for donations of $75 or more, you'll receive the book, He Is Bookmark, Study Guide, and CD or DVD album. Go to davidjeremiah.ca. Welcome to Turning Point. When you walk away from God, every step takes you further from His will and deeper into trouble. Today, Dr. David Jeremiah returns to the book of 1 Samuel to share how this truth can be seen in the journeys of two troubled men, David and King Saul. Continuing the series, The Tender Warrior, here's David to introduce today's message, Two Men in Misery. And thank you for joining us as we begin a new month together in our daily radio broadcast ministry. We're happy to have you along, and we're continuing the story of David from the Old Testament. It will occupy our attention throughout this month, and I hope you'll stay with us and be with us every day. I want to tell you about something that's getting ready uh, to happen in October. We're going to have a very special um, conference in Charleston, South Carolina. We'll be at the North Charleston Coliseum in Charleston and present a live arena event experience surrounding the event of the future that will hit the headlines as no other story ever has, the rapture. Two incredible days of inspirational Bible prophecy teaching that will motivate you to live for Jesus as never before. Go to davidjeremiah.org to find out more information about tickets, special guests, and all the things that are going to happen at our special weekend conference in Charleston, South Carolina. During the month of July, our resource for the month is a book called The God Shot, and it's... um, it's from Tara Lee Cobble, the creator and host of the Daily Bible Recap. It's about God and how he needs to have first place in our lives. And it will help you in a devotional way to fall in love with your creator all over again. The God Shot is our gift to you for your investment in Turning Point during the month of July. I hope you will help us if you can. And do your very best. When you send your gift during the month of July, ask for the God Shot. And it will be on its way to you before you know it. And then, right before we get started with our lesson, one more time to tell you about our tour to Israel. March the 12th through the 22nd, we're going to be in Israel next year. And uh, the reservations for this event are coming in rapidly. We're going to have a wonderful tour, and we would love for you to be a part of it. To find out more, go to davidjeremiah.org slash events. Okay, here is Two Men in Misery. The playoff between David and Saul, who's more miserable, David or Saul? David's depressed, Saul's afraid. Let's watch what happens in the story. As we continue in our study of the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel, and especially the life of David, we turn today in our Bibles to the 28th chapter of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 28. We have been tracing the life of David as it runs on a parallel course with the life of Saul. We are almost at the end of our discussion of these two men as their lives affect each other. The Bible, like all good novels, presents truth in dramatic form. Today's story about Saul and David is like that. It's part over here, part over there, 
And then all of a sudden at the end, it comes back together. Two storylines running parallel that join at some crucial part in the story. Now to review so that we don't just jump in the middle of all of this, you will remember that David, out of disbelief and despair, has thrown his lot and the lot of his men in with the Philistines. In so many words, he has given up on God. He's gotten discouraged. He's gone through depression. And according to verse 1 of chapter 27, David has decided that God is no longer able to care for him and meet his needs. He has decided that he is going to die. And if he's going to die, he might as well go join the enemy and at least have comfort in his last days. Now, the circumstances of David's depression, we learned in our last meeting, were these. He had an enemy he could not master, that was Saul. And he had expectations that he could not meet, trying to take care of all those men and their families. The cost of David's depression is very carefully chronicled in the 27th chapter. He deceives himself. The Bible says that Saul no longer sought for him. And because David no longer felt the pressure of his enemy, he thought his problems were solved. He dishonored his Lord. Here he was, the appointed and anointed servant and king of God, and he has run from God and trusted his future to the enemies of the Lord. He has also destroyed his own testimony. He is now living in a Philistine city that is known for immorality and idolatry. And he has descended further into sin. At the end of last message, we discussed the fact that David has now come to such a low degree in his life that he has gone out with his men and obliterated entire cities, their children, their wives, so that there would be no witnesses to come back and tell Achish of his plundering of their city. The whole thing started, as you remember, when David said in his heart, chapter 27, verse 1, when David began to listen to himself instead of to his God. And at the heart of David's misery, as we shall discover today, is one of the flaws in his character. I say that with knowledge that I am talking about the man who is after God's own heart. But every man, carefully scrutinized, has a flaw in his character. I have yet to meet the perfect person. And David had a flaw. His flaw seems to have been a tendency toward dishonesty, a tendency to be deceitful or to lie. If you think back through his life, and I just remembered that this week, earlier he had persuaded Jonathan to lie for him, remember? He told Jonathan to tell Saul that he had gone to Bethlehem to sacrifice. He was involved with his wife Michael as they tried to deceive the enemy. He had lied to the priest, Ahimelech, and he was lying to Achish, the king, as we open our Bibles to the 28th chapter today. It is no wonder that David once wrote in one of his Psalms, Psalm 119, verse 29, Remove from me the way of lying. That seemed to be David's besetting sin. Now, this little background that helps us to understand that David has ensconced himself into the throes of the enemy and he is now working with the Philistines brings us to the present chapter that is before us and I want you to note the terrible situation into which David has gotten himself may I just say at the beginning there is no way that you can ever know ahead of time what's going to happen when you take your first step away from God 
It may seem but a small step. It may seem but an incidental move on your part. But the day that David decided to trust the Philistines instead of to trust God, he set a course of action that is going to put him in a terrible situation. Now, the misery of David is told to us in the first two verses of chapter 28. It came to pass in those days that the Philistines, where David was now, gathered their armies together for warfare to fight against Israel. And Achish said to David, Know thou assuredly that thou shalt go out with me to battle, thou and thy men. And David said to Achish, Surely thou shalt know what thy servant can do. And Achish said to David, Therefore will I make thee keeper of mine head forever. Now notice what is happening to this poor man. He has, he thinks, quietly, deceitfully, put himself in the camp of the Philistines for a period of time so that he can hide from Saul. Now, all of a sudden, the king, who has given him protection, has decided that he wants David and his men to join forces with him as they go out to fight Israel. Poor David. If he refuses Achish's request, he will be in trouble in the place where he has sought refuge. And if he accepts his requirement, he is in trouble in Israel and he will be branded a traitor for life. Here will he be, the future king of Israel, going out with the Philistines to fight against his own people. He is really in a mess. There isn't any right answer. If he says no to Achish, he's in trouble with the Philistines. If he says yes to Achish, he's in trouble with the Israelites. That is usually where you get when you start to lie and be deceitful with God. Now, the interesting thing is that here is a man who is caught up in intrigue, in deception, in backtracking, in wondering, and that all goes with dishonesty. David has done wrong in seeking protection from Saul in the land of the Philistines, and now he is being required to repay the one who has given him help. When you ask the world for help, you can expect to pay them at some time along the way. David has asked Achish to protect him. Achish says yes, and now Achish, the king of the Philistines, says, you come and help us fight against Israel. Well, David's answer in the second verse to the request is a rather evasive reply. He didn't say, you know, I couldn't go out and fight against Israel. They're my people. But notice how he tries to evade the issue. And David said, surely thou shalt know what thy servant can do. In other words, David was saying, I don't have to go out and fight with you to prove to you my loyalty. I mean, it's not really important. You already know what I can do. But unfortunately, Achish misunderstood David and thought David was volunteering. And his thought was, that David was promising to help. And so he took David's statement not as an evasive answer, but he took David's statement as a statement of loyalty. And the scripture says, not only did he tell him he could fight, he made him captain of his own personal guard. David is now not only going to be in the Philistine army, he's going to be marching at the front of the army right next to the king, where everybody will see him. He can't even hide in the middle of the army. You know, if I am David about at this point, I think I would recall the moment in time when I got out of trouble by acting like a babbling idiot. And I would begin that routine all over because there's no way to get out of this mess that he is in. No matter what he does, he is in deep trouble. Now, 
Verses 3 through 5 of this chapter form a bridge between David's misery and Saul's misery. And I suppose you want to know, what is David going to do to get out of this mess? Well, in the meantime, we are now switching scenes. Just like on television, everything stops with David. There's a little bit of bridge, and we're going to introduce Saul, and we're going to find out what kind of trouble he's in. Remember now, and don't forget, here is the present king of Israel and the anointed king of Israel, both of them in misery, both of them walking away from God in different ways, and both of them in deep trouble. Verses 3 through 5 form a bridge, and I want you just to notice what the verses say. Verse 3 says, Samuel was dead, and all of Israel lamented him. Now that's simply there to explain why the Philistines decided it was time to fight against the Jews. They would never have taken the courage to go against Israel, but Israel's champion prophet has died, and when the prophet dies or speaks no longer, the people grow bold against God. So the Philistines, knowing that Samuel has died, have decided they're going to fight against Israel. Now... The mention of Saul, then in the next verse says, Philistines gathered themselves together. Saul put away those that had familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. Just note that little phrase. We'll come back to that in a moment. The second statement in the third verse speaks about Saul doing away with the wizards. It is probably given to us here to explain what is going to happen to Saul in a short time because it explains to us how fickle this man is, how he can be a man of resolution one moment and dissolution the next moment. Now with those two things in mind in that one verse, the death of Samuel and Saul doing away with the evil spirits, we learn in verse 4 that the Philistines gathered themselves together, came and pitched in Shunem, and Saul gathered all Israel together and they pitched in Gilboa. And now we are about to note the misery of Saul. And we're going to have to move through this quickly, but you follow closely in your Bibles. Notice, first of all, in Saul's misery, his fear, the fear of Saul, verses 4 and 5. When Saul saw the host of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart greatly trembled. Hmm. Now, if Saul had stayed close to God, there was no need for him to be afraid. But Saul had rebelled against God, and his fear was born out of his guilty conscience. No doubt, as he stands shaking before the enemy that God had before defeated, Saul began to realize how far away he was from the Lord. And why was he afraid? He could not call on God. He had a guilty conscience. He had despised God's prophet Samuel. He had murdered those priests and their families. Remember that? He had murdered all of them because they had not told him about David's whereabouts. He had hunted David as an animal when he knew that was not God's will. And he had every reason to be afraid. He was in sin, and he needed God, and his enemy was standing there in front of him, but all he had was the emotion of fear. Do you know there's not anything worse that I know of in all of the world than being out of the will of God and facing a crisis in your life? Here is this man Saul, totally out of the will of God, and he's facing a major crisis, and the only one who can help him is far away from him because of his own sin. I have had people come to me, men and women, and tell me in the midst of their sin that they have been so afraid of what God might do that they have actually gone and taken out extra insurance to cover their family because they were absolutely certain that because of their sin, God was going to take them out. That's where Saul was. 
He was totally afraid. He knew that he was out of fellowship with God. He had this gigantic Philistine army, an army that he should never have been afraid of in the first place, but he knew he was out of fellowship with God, and so he was afraid. Then notice, secondly, not only the fear of Saul, but the failure of Saul. Verse 6, And Saul inquired of the Lord. And the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets. I think those are some of the saddest words in all the Bible. And some of you may wonder at that. Does the Lord not hear our prayers? The Bible says that when Saul saw the enemy, that he inquired of the Lord. And the Bible says that when he prayed, God didn't hear him. And those words of finality are about to bring down the curtain on Saul's life. Saul had waited too long, you see. His prayer was not heard, and it was only for the immediate help that he needed, and there was no sincerity in it at all. If there had been sincerity, Saul would first of all have had to take some time out for confession and forgiveness. I cannot help but think of the words of Isaiah the prophet found in 55.6 that say this, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Saul had waited too long. He had gone into sin, and he had not confessed his sin. Ezekiel 14.3 says this, These men have set up idols in their hearts and put the stumbling block of their iniquity before their face. Should I be inquired of at all by them? God says. Here's a man living in sin and rebellion, and he has acknowledged that God is no longer over him. He has refused to be obedient. And here comes a crisis in his life. And he wants to grab hold of God for immediate help. Sort of like, you know, the little genie. The bellhop of heaven. And in that moment of crisis, without dealing with his own sin problem, he cries out for God. But the heavens are brass and his prayer never gets out of the room. God doesn't hear him. Maybe there are some of you here today who are listening to this message and you think you can just go on doing what you're doing and living away from the Lord in rebellion against him. And then when you have a moment of need, you can just cry out to God and he'll just be right there. Don't you count on it. You say, why is it that God did not hear Saul? Well, David explains it in one of his Psalms. And this is what he says. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. That's what the scripture says. Saul had iniquity in his heart. He was not in fellowship with God. He had sin that was unconfessed and he had no desire to change. And yet in a moment he thought, well, I'll just ask God to help. It reminds me of what people say to me sometimes. And I think this is the most bold and brass and perhaps frightening statement I ever hear when people come and tell me about how they're going to do such and such that they know is against the will of God. But they'll ask God to forgive them. And I want to tell you something, that prayer will never be heard until there is confession of sin. Saul's prayer never got out of the room. In fact, it was like no prayer at all. I just want to show you a verse of scripture. If you have your Bibles, turn over to 1 Chronicles 10. When Saul prayed, it never got out of the room. It was like no prayer at all. God never heard it, and I think I can prove that to you. At the end of the 10th chapter of 1 Chronicles, there's kind of an obituary of Saul telling why he died. I want you to just look at that real quickly. Chapter 10, verse 13. So Saul died for his transgression, which he committed against the Lord, even against the word of the Lord, which he kept not, and also for asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit to inquire of it, and inquired not of the Lord. 
Therefore he slew him and turned the kingdom unto David, the son of Jesse. And some have said, well, this is a contradiction. Saul did inquire of the Lord, and this passage says he didn't. No, this passage just records the fact that Saul said a prayer, but he never inquired of the Lord. God never heard it. It was like no prayer at all. If you want to pray and ask God for help and you're not right with God, you might as well keep your mouth shut because God isn't going to hear it. That's what happened to Saul. Saul prayed, and God never heard his prayer. Well, the final fall of Saul is recorded then in chapter 28 and verse 7. And we read that Saul said unto his servant, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said unto him, Behold, there is a woman that hath a familiar spirit at Endor. Now just wait a minute. It's just a couple of verses ago that we read that Saul had done away with all of the people who were wizards and mediums and had evil spirits. Look back in your Bible at the end of the third verse. And Saul had put away those that had familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. Now, when God doesn't answer him, we find Saul going after the wizards himself. He's going to find out if he can get any information from them. This is a fearful conclusion to the life of this man, Saul. And as we just read in First Chronicles, that's the reason why he died. Because he sought help from the witch of Endor. He had banned those wizards, and now he is consorting with them. In some respects, Saul is just like David, isn't he? He's in between. He is now asking for help from the very source he has banned. He can't live on both sides of the fence. In one moment, he's saying, get the wizards out of the land. In the next moment, he's calling to see if he can find one to help him. In one moment, David's fighting against the enemies of the Lord. In the next moment, he's joined up with them. He is like Saul. They are living in never-never land. They can't live in both worlds. You either have to be with God or against him. You can't have middle ground. There's no neutrality in this matter of knowing God. And so we read in verses 7 through 14 the sad occasion that took place. So Saul said to his servants, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit. And Saul disguised himself, put on other raiment, and he went, and two men with him. And they came to the woman by night, and he said, I pray you, divine unto me by the familiar spirit, and bring me him up whom I shall name unto thee. Now what's going on here is what we call necromancy. It's dealing with the dead to find out what has happened. And the woman said unto him, Behold, thou knowest what Saul hath done. How he hath cut off those that have familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. And you are laying a snare for my life to cause me to die. The woman thought that Saul, who was in disguise, had come to see her to find out if she was indeed a wizard. And then he was going to report back to King Saul and she would be killed. And Saul sware to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord liveth, there shall no punishment happen to thee for this thing. And the woman said, Whom shall I bring up unto thee? And he said, Bring me up Samuel. And when the women saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. And the woman spake to Saul, saying, Why hast thou deceived me? For thou art Saul. And the king said unto her, Be not afraid. For what sawest thou? And the woman said unto Saul, I saw gods ascending out of the earth. And he said unto her, What form is he of? And she said, An old man cometh up, and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel, and he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed himself. And Samuel said to Saul, Why hast thou disquieted me to bring me up? And Saul answered, I am sore distressed, for the Philistines make war against me. God is departed from me and answereth me no more, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore I have called thee, that thou mayest make known unto me what I shall do. Then said Samuel, Wherefore then dost thou ask of me, seeing the Lord is departed from thee and is become thine enemy? 
and the Lord hath done to him as he spake by me. For the Lord hath rent the kingdom out of thine hand and given it to thy neighbor, even to David. Because thou obeyest not the voice of the Lord, nor executest his fierce wrath upon Amalek, therefore hath the Lord done this thing unto thee this day. And then Samuel in this revelation goes on to tell Saul that the next thing that's going to happen in his life is that when he fights against the Philistines, he's going to die and his son's with him. Hmm. You're talking about being miserable, getting a report like that. We'll have more of this tomorrow as we continue our study of the life of David. We're in the book of 1 Samuel and chapters 28 and 29. I hope you'll be with us tomorrow as we continue our story. We also want to keep reminding you about our tour to Israel, which is March the 12th through the 22nd. We'll be visiting Jerusalem, Galilee, the Dead Sea, the Jordan River. We'll have guests Michael Sanchez, Uriel Vega, and others to be announced. It will be one of the great experiences of your life. If you've never been to Israel, you should go. Our neighbors are going, and they went last time. This time, they're bringing friends with them, and that's often the case. Once you go there, it's like a magnet drawing you back, and you want your friends to be there. You want everybody to see and experience what you experienced. You can find out more about the tour to Israel at davidjeremiah.org slash events. Don't wait too long. Be sure and get your reservation in and be ready to join us in March. And then tomorrow we'll be back to continue our discussion of the life of David. Uh, There are study guides and CD albums for this series. Ask about those or go to the website and check them out. We'll see you next time. I'm David Jeremiah. Thanks for listening. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, The Tender Warrior, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of The God Shot, a devotional focused on God's character by teacher and podcast host Tara Lee Cobble. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions, available in a variety of attractive cover options. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, The Tender Warrior, on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you enjoy listening to Turning Point with David Jeremiah, you will be happy to hear that there is now a daily Turning Point television broadcast that you can watch each weekday. Tune in to Faith TV, Joy TV, or Miracle Channel Monday through Friday to watch the Turning Point daily television broadcast. Be sure to check your local listings for the channel and time in your area. Or visit davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV to download a program schedule or watch at your convenience. That website again is davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV. If you're looking to enhance your personal or group Bible study, look no further than the Jeremiah Bible Study Series. In each volume, Dr. David Jeremiah helps you understand what the Bible says and how to apply it. Along the way, you will gain insights into the text, identify key themes, and be challenged to apply the truth found in Scripture to your life. Get your copy today. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca study. That's davidjeremiah.ca study. 
Apparently, this hasn't happened in recent memory. The Pope in Rome eating lunch at the Vatican's workers' cafeteria. But that's what Pope Francis did recently. He went through the line, got his food, and joined a group of stunned Vatican workers at their table. And I say good for Pope Francis. He consistently earns his reputation as a man of humility. All of us can earn such a reputation. We all have ways we can say, may I join you in life, to share a few moments of conversation and grace with those who may be overlooked by society. It's what Jesus did, isn't it? This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover how God blesses humility on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.